Welcome to another episode of Thick and Thin, where ball is always life. I'm your host, Karthik, here with my co-host, Nitin. What's good, Nitin? What's up, man? Hope you had a good Memorial Day. Hope everyone out there did as well. Um, Look, man, a lot is going on in the NBA world right now. We're going to do something we don't typically do, and we're not going to talk about it. How about that? I know, I know. We've I've felt like we spent a lot of the previous pods talking about what the NBA might or might not do, and we could keep doing this until they actually come up with something. Um, I think today the latest news was the GMs voted uh, in favor of a play-in tournament versus the World Cup idea that's been thrown around quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, still no more details, but at least that's showing the an indication of where they're leaning for now. Yeah. And so, like you said, we've done a lot of speculating. Um, there's probably ideas that we agree with more than mo- others. Um, similarly, as you said, the GMs feel a certain type of way about certain ideas. So it looks like they're going to announce a plan on or around June 1st, which is next Monday. Um, and so we're going to wait until next week, um, assuming we have a full set of instructions and guidance of the league for what they plan on doing. And we're going to actually do something today that we've been teasing out since episode one of Thick and Thin all the way back in mid-August when life seemed so simple and we were worried about Greg Popovich's uh, rotations in FIBA World Cup. And we're going to have the argument that nobody wants to hear anymore, but we couldn't hold off on it any longer. We are going to settle it once and for all. Who is the greatest basketball player of all time? Michael Jeffrey Jordan. LeBron, was it Ramon? Yeah. Raymond? <laughs> yeah. Ramon James. I wish I'd gotten just known that right off the bat to to keep the allure alive, but we're going for it, man. I am extremely hyped. Uh, I've been waiting for this day for a long time. I've had to endure all the Jordan talk, the Twitter talk, the all of a sudden the last dance somehow made it even more apparent he was the GOAT, which didn't make any sense to me. Um, had to endure all that, so I'm finally getting a chance to voice my opinion, you know, bring shine light to LeBron's legacy and where he deserves to be in the pantheon of greats. So I'm hyped. I'm ready for this. You're not doing yourself any favors by having this argument on the heels of the last dance. You know that. I know that. The world knows that. But I respect you. That's why you're a competitor. That's why you remind me of Michael Jordan, someone who never says no and always willing to go for that victory. Look, I'm not going to be scared away by from this propaganda puff piece that's been running for the last five weeks. I, you know, whatever people think based on the last dance, it doesn't matter. The facts stay the facts. And uh, I've got a case for LeBron. So. All right. So here's a, here's what we're going to do. Right. We're going to kick it off. I want to hear your opening arguments. I'll do the same. If it's not clear already to those listening, I am in support. I'm almost the defense because Michael Jordan's holding the throne before LeBron has created his resume. And, and, um, you know, you're the prosecution for LeBron James. I'm the defense for Michael Jordan. And we're going to go through, um, you know, several different evaluation criteria. Um, Maybe we don't actually come to terms with an answer at the end. In fact, it's likely that we don't. But we're going to talk through how we thought about this argument, how we thought about each player's case and, and go from there. Before we do that, I think it's important to get a little bit of a grounding, right, with how you're thinking about this philosophically. So I want you to list out, and then I'll do the same, who are your top 10 players overall? And now there's three things I'm interested about what you say. It's going to tell me how you're thinking about this. 
So this is hard. I, I always find it hard to rank the top 10 guys. My number one is actually Jordan. And I've always said, <laughs> so what? my my caveat has always been LeBron, oh if he wins a title in LA this year, it'll leapfrog, he'll leapfrog Jordan. Or no matter what, by the end of his career, I think LeBron is going to leapfrog Jordan. But his career ha- is not finished yet. So as of right now, you put Jordan up there. But I think by literally in two months' time, I don't. I'm could, like a little shell shocked right now. <laughs> I've always said I don't know this. I've say. always said this. Everyone who knows me knows that's how I feel. Now uh, it's one A, one B. Right? Let's let's keep it at that. Jordan, LeBron. I've got Kareem third, Bill Russell fourth, Magic fifth, followed by Larry sixth, then Wilt, then Shaq. And then rounding wow. out nine and ten, Duncan and Kobe. Okay, wow. Um, let me give you my top ten, and then I'll tell you the three things I was looking for because I think there are three things that every person who tries to do this exercise struggles with. So I have Jordan at one, LeBron at a very clear and potentially distant two, um, Kareem at three as well. So I think we're aligned there. My first deviation is I have Magic at four and Larry at five, with Bill Russell at six. Then I go Duncan seven, Kobe eight, Shaq nine, um, followed by Wilt at 10. So it sounds like we have the exact same top 10. There was no Elijah on. There was no Oscar Robertson. There was no um, Jerry West, Kevin Durant. None of these guys have made either of our lists. Here's the thing that I think is most challenging about this. Number one off the bat, how the hell do you rank players who played in the 60s? We don't know. You kind of just throw them into the mix. Exactly. But they're not number one. Russell's got 11 titles. They're all against six foot two white guys. It's hard to reconcile that. Number two is what did you do with Duncan, Kobe and Shaq, who always feel like they should be connected in some order, right? Their peaks all existed at the same time. They all won a ton of titles. But how do you rank those? Um, And the number three for me was Bird and Magic. I think pretty much everyone has Magic above Bird, but that's always another fascinating debate. I always see them as kind of, I always group them together. uh, Yeah. With, I can see the argument for Bird. To me, they're kind of um, always in that conversation. The Shaq, Duncan, Kobe, I mean, I don't want to get too much into the top 10, but it's part of it's also just kind of it's the eye test, right? I'm not looking just the numbers. It's about the dominance. And that's why a guy like Shaq, who, uh, honestly, his resume is not as storied as Duncan when you look at the totality of it. But when he was at his best, it's um, he was hard to beat. So Yeah, it's the highest peak, but the shortest peak of the top 10. Yeah, probably. it's hard. It's, this is a hard, uh, even doing like one versus two is hard, but top 10 is hard because you have rings, you have different eras, you have all these different factors. And um, But I think that as long as you have the same top 10, I think that's... Hard yeah, to argue. I mean, yeah, we're already ahead of the curve. This may be, I mean, now that you have Jordan at one, this may be the, you know, the most docile argument that anybody's ever had on this topic. But <laughs> all right, here we go. So let's get started. I want to hear what is your opening argument for LeBron as one day the greatest player of all time? Look, there's three things for LeBron. He's He's got the all-around basketball game. And what I mean by that is we're, basketball is not just about scoring. We're talking about the best basketball player of all time. I think he's got a more rounded out game. We'll dive into that. Uh, and just so, just by his basketball talent, his acumen, his skills, I think he's better. Second, the totality of his career. You've got, 
at some point, it has to matter that he's played significantly longer than Jordan. He continues to rack up accolade after accolade, and he might continue to keep winning championships. And at some point, that starts to matter um, that he's been doing it for this long. And then the third and final thing, I think, is the way he's won, the way he's found his success uh, has been more impressive than Jordan, given the context of the way he's won, given the teams, the coaches, the teams he's gone against. When you consider all that, I think his championships, his accolades come across as more impressive than Jordan's. And that's my argument for LeBron. All right. You know, I'm not even going to talk to you anymore. I'm going to go ahead and address, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, by the end of this hearing, it's my belief to prove without a shred of doubt that Michael Jordan was the greatest player to ever step foot on a basketball court. When you consider the entirety of his basketball resume, it is as infallible, invincible, and indestructible as any player in history. He had the talent. He had the charisma. He had the flair. He had the stats. He had the accolades. He had the rings. And most of all, he had the killer instinct that truly separates the haves from the have-nots in any athletic arena. Yes, Jordan didn't play the most seasons of all time. In fact, not even close. But what he did do in his 13 seasons in Chicago was put together the most accomplished and successful career of all time. Thank you. Look at you with your pre-written opening statement. That was off the cuff. Sounds like you're narrating the last dance. (laughs) They should have used my voice edited heavily to get out all of the monotonous nasal tones. (laughs) Um, All right. So here's what we're going to do. We have a number of different evaluation criteria. Should we just list them now or go one by one so people can follow along? Yeah, let's just uh, go one by one. Okay. So the first is, and we'll alternate. So I'll start here. The first is individual accolades. Now, I agree some part of basketball is the eye test. Absolutely. But a lot of it is what you have done and what you have earned in your time as a player. And so for Jordan, 14-time All-Star, right? Um, already less than LeBron has, uh, who's a 16-time All-Star, I believe. 5X MVP, second most ever behind Kareem. Rookie of the Year, uh, I think to be one of the greats, most of these guys have him. 11-time All-NBA, again, LeBron's 15. Here's where he differentiates himself. Nine-time All-Defense. Defensive Player of the Year in 1988, when he averaged 35 a game. 10-time scoring champ. In fact, once he won his first scoring title in Chicago in 87, he won it every year of his career uh, that he played in Chicago a full season. And last, but definitely not least, six-time Finals MVP. When you put that list of accomplishments on paper... By virtue of him not playing as long as LeBron or even, you know, even Dirk Nowitzki has six more seasons on Jordan because of the way that today's game functions, the health, the nutrition. But what he was able to accomplish in those 13 years in Chicago pretty much runs the course of every individual award you would ever want to win or you'd ever need to win. This doesn't factor in his all-star game MVPs, his two gold medals. And his national championship at UNC, which LeBron, of course, doesn't have. I can't believe you're throwing that in there. (laughs) Um, So here's the thing. You look at LeBron, right? If I read off the stat line, four-time MVP compared to five. He's got one less. 16-time All-Star, so two more. Uh, 
12 all NBA first teams, so two more there as well. So, you know, just looking at those, MVP is comparable. He's got one less. But, you know, with MVP, you could argue Jordan could have won one more. Um, you could say LeBron could have won one or two more. That's a wash to me. He's got an, an all NBA and all star relatively a wash, but LeBron keeps piling them up, which I think matters because he's still playing at a high level. It's hard to play at an he's MVP gonna level when you're this old, but he's going to keep, you know, that matters. He's, he's going to pick five, up another one this year. Another one this year. Five all defensive te- first team uh, compared to nine for uh, Jordan. So, yes, not as many, but I don't think anyone would ever argue that LeBron has not been a good defender. Um, at his peak, he was a more versatile defender. Um, he is not flashy. Jordan had the steals. He always was a great, you know, three-time steals leader, and that always helped inflate this defensive kind of aura he has. LeBron doesn't have the counting stats to back it up, which I think hurt his case for these defensive teams. But if you watch him play, you watch him on those Heat teams, he was invaluable defensively. And then I think the other thing is the scoring title gets brought up a lot. Like, oh, Jordan won 10 times, and you know LeBron has only won it once in 2008. But LeBron's always been in that like second, third, fourth spot. It's not like he's way behind. And LeBron has a chance to finish as the assist leader this season. Uh, he was leading, I believe, when the season ended. And that's a, a record that Jordan hasn't even come close touching. So if you look at it, Jordan, I mean, LeBron, he's up there in scoring, but also is threatening to lead the league in assists, which I think is uh, the fact that he's done both shows just an all-around game that I don't think Jordan ever had. So, to me, I think when you consider all that, his accolades stand up pretty well against Jordan's, and his career is still not done. I think what's interesting is Jordan has proven that he has the ability to be that kind of passer, not at LeBron's level, right? LeBron is probably one of the two to three best passers in NBA history. It's between him and Magic, and maybe the third place you could talk like a Jason Kidd or a Steve Nash, right? That type of vision. Um Jordan averaged eight assists a game in 88, uh, in 87, excuse me. So he's proven to be able to rack up the numbers. The thing that makes it difficult is the triangle offense is not predicated on one person dominating the ball to start a possession the way LeBron has played, more so in uh, ISO-heavy, pick-and-roll-heavy offense that you see today. If Jordan started at the ball at the top of the key on every possession and basically had you know, as many assist opportunities as LeBron, would he become close? Maybe not. Like I said, LeBron's gifted as a passer outside of just opportunity. But I think similarly to the way you said LeBron may, LeBron's peak as a defender may be on par with Jordan's and he just didn't do it as often. I would say something similar for passing and for assist totals. Now, go ahead. No, the thing I'd say about passing though is there... Every player who's not known as a passer, every superstar player, the the argument always is, oh, but he's actually a sneaky good passer. Kobe, uh, Shaq, even like even though he's a big man, like there, anytime there's, you have a really good player who doesn't have high assist numbers, people talk about how he's underrated as a passer. And the reason that is is because as a great scorer, you're always gonna get those double teams coming at you. You're gonna have those opportunities to dish it off, and. So that gets recognized, and people recognize that for Jordan. Any all-time scorer is known as being a pretty good passer. But what LeBron is is an elite passer, and he's an elite scorer. Just because he hasn't won 10 scoring titles, would you say that LeBron's not an elite scorer? He's elite in both, and I think that's what separates him. Um, And 
it's hard to recognize him for his passing because there's no accolade to say the best passer. And there are always point guards who are going to rack up more assists. But I think that should be recognized. Yeah, I mean, I think, look, LeBron is going to end up, I think, as the only player in NBA history. He's already the only player in NBA history to be top 10 in both points and assists, I believe. And he's going to he's on pace to be top five in both. He's obviously, of course, already top five in scoring. So nobody is going to touch that. And I don't think I would argue that Jordan's a better passer. But, you know, the assist numbers total LeBron's 7.4, Jordan's 5.3. So it's not like so crazily off the way you would compare like a Durant career passer to LeBron, where even Durant's best seasons, he's barely averaging over five assists a game. This is kind of taking us into that next category, which is what do the actual stats say? And this is where I think this is the, the, the crux of the Jordan on paper argument comes here. He played in an era that did not emphasize, we've talked about this a million times, it did not emphasize more efficient play, right? That's more three-point shooting, more free throws. That's the way the game is played. He shot a lot from mid-range. But despite that, his proficiency was so high that whether it's regular season numbers, whether it's raw statistics, playoffs, advanced statistics, he is top of the leaderboard across the board. So He's the most points per game regular season ever, most points per game in the playoffs ever, most points in a final series, 41 in that 93 finals versus, versus Phoenix, highest points per game in a season that's non-wilt, 37 points in 87, um, first in PER, first in win shares for 48, first in box plus minus, first in usage, fifth in steal percentage, seventh in offensive rating, and the best part is he's 53rd in games played which, like you said, he doesn't have the longevity of LeBron, but what he was able to accomplish within that confines. You know Dwight Howard's played more career games than than Michael Jordan? Yeah. And despite that, he's been able to pack that much productivity in a career that's much, much shorter than any of the greats uh, of the modern era that you'd compare him to. True. I mean, if you look at the advanced stats, and you named a lot of them, LeBron is second in career box plus minus behind Jordan. LeBron is third in career win shares. Um, Jordan's actually behind that, but, I mean, LeBron's played longer. Fair. That one's related to how long you're playing. LeBron's third in career player efficiency rating, and Jordan is first. So in a lot of these advanced stats, uh, Jordan does come out looking nice. The thing you have to remember, though, when you're looking at these averages and these advanced stats is you're taking 13 seasons of Jordan's career. He didn't play a full career, extended career like he could have, and he took a two-year break. So you're getting the best years out of Jordan. You're getting literally the best player you could possibly get without burnout because when he was getting burned out, he left. And he ended his career in 98 before, you know, 99, 2000. Who knows what have happened? The team gets a little worse. He's a little bit older. So you're taking the 13 best seasons, and obviously his stats are going to look much nicer. But so these include the D.C. years, the the way his career is shaken out includes the two years after a three-year layoff at the ages of 39 and 40 playing for a scrub Wizards team. Yeah, he was older. He still got three-year break. He has all these little nice little breaks in his career uh, where he can rejuvenate, come back. He's not playing 100 games every season like LeBron is. Like literally 100 games every season. LeBron over the course of four seasons has played an extra season. Like that, no player has ever had to do that. Now, I'm going to shift the argument from you take those advanced stats. Let's talk about counting stats because counting stats still matter. And LeBron is third in all time in points, likely to get to second and possibly get to first 
he could end his career as the top point scorer of all time. He's eighth in assists, as you mentioned, so he's top 10 in both. He has a chance to crack top five, um, get to Magic Johnson levels if he plays a couple more seasons. So ultimately, he's close in the advanced stats, and he's going to have, at the when all said and done, he's going to be at the counting stats at the top of the leaderboards. So for me, I think the stats argument is not as skewed towards Jordan as people like to make it seem. I was actually going to go the other way. I feel like the stats argument is going to end up being skewed towards LeBron because he has all these all-time records and because he's surpassed Jordan so far in terms of total playoff points, total regular season points, assists, rebounds, blocks, deals, everything he's going to have way more than Jordan. But my argument was kind of the same reason you ranked Shaq over Duncan, which is the totality of the career is very, very impressive. And like I said, LeBron is number two all time. And I don't think that's a knock, the second best player to ever lace him up. But the reason he's not first is because his peak isn't as high. And this is where we need to get into the good stuff, which is like what makes a player's peak, what makes his peak. So for, firstly, I want to talk, you mentioned earlier, just watching LeBron play, he's a more complete player. Right. Here's where I would here's where I would say Jordan at no point in his career ever had a weakness. He was a rock star offensively from his rookie year. He averaged 28 a game as a rookie um, right down to making all defense all the way through his career with Chicago. LeBron has no weakness in his game either, but the way he's slipped defensively the last few years, I agree with you. The Miami version of LeBron was that individual 2012-13 LeBron when he shot 57% from the field, 40% from the line, was wearing the Batman mask, was just ridiculous, right? They won 27 straight, all that kind of thing. We have not seen that version. We've seen a different version. He's older. He's got more miles. He's played in eight straight finals. I get all that. But defensively, he has taken a step back of the last three, four seasons. And that's something that Jordan has never done. That's because Jordan retired early. Like it, LeBron, when he started to fall off defensively, you're already talking about the years beyond what Jordan played, the game no, look, beyond Jordan's, what Jordan played. LeBron's 35 right now. That's when Jordan won his sixth title in 98. Beyond, I'm talking about games played. I'm not talking about age because Jordan started his career later as well. Um, he, I'm talking about games played, seasons played. LeBron, when he started falling off defensively, you can say maybe his last year in Cleveland, um, 2018 that 2018 and and Cleveland. part of it and look and this it's a conscious decision when you're lebron and on these teams that and look this year on a good team with anthony davis he's picked up defensively he's had a pretty good defensive year nothing elite above average well it's helpful when you have davis mcgee and dwight yeah, howard yeah man. and when you're playing with jordan clarkson and larry nance you know what you you expend so much energy on offense that you can't be the same guy on defense like this is not a crazy concept. He's being smart about the way he plays defense. He's conserving his energy. At this stage in his career, he has to do that. So I don't think you can hold that against him. Um, yeah. So in this case, it's actually quite interesting because neither player has a definitive hole. But what would you say? So for, I'll go first. Jordan's hole was three-point shooting. 
It wasn't emphasized, in my opinion. He would have been a great, great three-point shooter if he played today, Com- considering three things. One, his shot form, which was very, very tight and good technique. Two was his free throw percentage, which is always a good for- forecaster of three-point. He was a career 84% for the line. And three was his work ethic. So those three factors, I think he would have been a good three-point shooter. But that was the one black mark on an otherwise you know, complete basketball skill set. So what would you say that is for LeBron? He doesn't, I mean, his weakness has been his jumper. Um, we've seen that where you pack, pack the paint, you dare him to shoot, and it took him a while to get comfortable. He got comfortable with that in the 2013. The Spurs really forced him out of his comfort zone those first couple of games. LeBron didn't shoot well. And he ended up hitting the dagger in game seven to win, to to seal the title. And since then, he's been a, pretty reliable jump shooter he's not Steph he's not Jordan he's not Kobe actually he's better than Kobe but um Don't he, tell Kobe but he's a threat enough he's he's the the great thing with LeBron is he had holes in his game early in his career he didn't have a post-up game for example he developed that and I think at this point he doesn't really have any holes now to the point about what holes did Jordan have I think with any great scorer uh the holes are when you shoot teams out of games He's Did had so many moments in the playoffs where he's, and I've, I have a list of them, where he shot terribly. And guess what? The reason they don't get talked about is because the Bulls would keep winning. And LeBron has a bad game shooting. He has a bad performance. His team's not winning. And that's, that's the biggest difference. We don't hear about Jordan's bad games because they never lose. Whether he plays well, whether he plays poorly, the Bulls just never lose. And so uh, if you go through his career, a lot of moments in the playoffs, a lot of moments in the finals where he's shooting 30%, 40%, breaking shots left and right, taking 30 shots in the game. Like the same things we rail Kobe on, you see that in Jordan's career. The difference was he always came out with a W. But isn't that part? See, here's my issue, right? We're getting to a point where suddenly like wins and losses don't no longer matter as much because we're like, look, there's all these factors. If you want to talk to me about which is the greatest quarterback of all time and you don't want to cite wins and losses, I'm with you, right? Or the greatest pitchers of all time because there's so much less of an impact that they can have on the game. But even those games that Jordan shot poorly, which, by the way, can't be that many considering he's the leading playoff scorer of all time and has shot a respectable percentage in the playoffs overall. So, sure, there's a handful of games. And, yeah, he doesn't have as many losses because – and maybe some of those games would have been losses for LeBron. But – it's not like Jordan played with these like supernova scorers on his team. Like he led the, the, his team in scoring in 169 out of 187 playoff games or something to that effect. So it's not like he had all these guys carrying the burden when he wasn't on. If he wasn't no, on, but either, de- defensively, you know, you had a stalwart defensive team of which he was a major part of. Yeah, you know, he played a part of. It. I'm not look. I'm not saying he's has not had a successful postseason. If you look at all the numbers, on average, he's been amazing. But same with LeBron. Like, on average, he's been amazing. If you look at any, you can look through even his worst postseasons, even in 2010, where you say he choked against the Celtics and all that. He's His numbers are awesome on average. So I'm not saying that Jordan was a poor postseason performer. I'm just saying that the reason it seems like there's no holes in his game is because we can't remember those bad games because they ultimately still came out on top. The thing is, when you compare him to other volume scorers like a Carmelo or or a Kobe or an Iverson, um, 
or even back in the day, like a Bernard King or, you know, Drexler, like his efficiency was better than all of those oh, guys. Oh, 100%. 100%. And yeah. so he's not the same type of volume scorer that those guys are. And and Kobe at least could do a few more things. Iverson or Anthony or some of those guys, like even early stage Durant, if you took out his scoring, he was dead. Yep. And I, and I get that that's not the point, but in my opinion, it's like to pigeonhole him as strictly a volume scorer or a shooter is unfair when even when that wasn't clicking, he was doing a lot more on the court. Um, and that's part of his greatness because he could beat you in a lot of different ways. As can LeBron. I mean, that's just the reality. But all right, I do want yeah, to we're, talk. We're nitpicking. I mean, these guys at the end of the day are number one and number two. So they have very few flaws. I agree. Yeah. That's um, just nitpick. Here's what I want to talk about. Team performance. Um, we know about the six titles for Jordan. A lot of people talk about like, hey, why, wait a second. You're criticizing LeBron for losing in the finals, yet not criticizing Jordan for not getting there. Right. I want to talk about this. So he made the f- playoffs every year of his career with the Bulls. His first six years, he obviously did not make the finals. Just like LeBron, they both won their first title in year seven. Um, the teams Jordan lost to, 85 was a rookie. I'm not. I'm throwing that out. They lost to the Bucks, Sidney Moncrief, et cetera. I'm not worried about that. 86, they lost to the Celtics, considered by some the best team ever. 87, they lost to the Celtics, who lost to the Lakers in finals. 88, 89, 90 were the Pistons, two of which of those Pistons teams won the title. The other lost in the finals to the Lakers. And so, yes, he has early failures. But after, you know, but when you consider, you know, the big argument is like, well, LeBron played way better teams in the finals than Jordan did. LeBron never played, or sorry, Jordan never played a team as good. But a lot of these losses are to teams on par with the teams that LeBron faced. And if the argument is, well, LeBron lost and Jordan would have lost also, well, Jordan did lose to some of these teams, but once he won, he never looked back. So you're talking about the, that Celtics team early in his career, right? Yeah, the one First where of all, he had the 63 points. Yeah, games. they lost to them. It wasn't like that was the only thing standing between them and the playoff, the finals, because one of those years, you're talking about the early years, they lost Jordan's, Jordan's Bulls were a 30-win team. Like they barely made the playoffs as a thirty-win team. Well, that was so yes, they lost. They lost to the eventual champion Celtics, but they weren't some juggernaut that. Oh, if it wasn't for the Celtics, they would have won the title. So we needed to spell that narrative right away. He he did break his foot, but that team was still not a top contender. Right, it was his second year in the league. Yeah, that's fine. I'm not holding it against him. I'm just saying, don't make it some heroic thing that oh, it's only because of that all-time great team that they didn't get farther. Fine. He was expected to lose. He lost. Not a big deal. The one thing I'd say about team performance is, and I think this is hard to argue against, LeBron, one of his greatest abilities is the floor raiser. And you might even agree with me. He's a higher floor raiser than maybe even Jordan is. And the fact that he's in, yes, he made won a final, uh, or he won the championship in his seventh year, but he took a team to the finals in his fourth year. Yeah. Um, fourth year or third year? His third year is 06, third, 07. Yeah. Four, five, six. No, fourth year. Fourth year. Fourth year. He took yeah, because he didn't himself. make the playoffs his first two years. Yeah. And so, and with a team that, yes, okay, they went through an East that you could argue was not as, definitely not as tough as what Jordan went through in his early career. But still, taking a team that's on paper one of the worst teams ever to make the finals, 
that's an accolade that I don't think gets enough credit. He lost, sure, but given what he had, he took a team that had no business being in the finals all the way there. So, you know, we want to give credit to Jordan and, oh, he had such tough competition in the 80s. Well, LeBron ended up actually being able to take a team to the finals in a way that Jordan never has um, when the odds are completely stacked up against him. You know what my biggest problem is with the LeBron competition is better and therefore his accomplishments are better? A lot of his accomplishments are losses. Like we're getting hyped about him losing because he shouldn't have been there or because they're undermatched and Jordan would have lost too. So we're basically comparing LeBron's losses versus Jordan's wins and trying to say that the losses are more impressive. Like LeBron has lost in the finals six times, right? We know this. Of those six, let's not forget he's lost 4-0 twice, 4-1 twice, and a fifth loss was to the Mavericks team that was a heavy, heavy underdog versus the Heatles. So you're basically telling me, yes, would if we had superimposed Jordan on that team, the Cavs team in 18, is he beating Durant, Steph, Clay, Dre? Probably not. But the idea is we have to live in a hypothetical world to convince ourselves that Jordan's loss, LeBron's losses are better than Jordan's wins. And I just don't see what the logic path is to that. The logic path is he was blessed with a, a Hall of Fame all-time greatest coach ever. I'm speaking about Jordan. With the top 30 all-time NBA player in Scottie Pippen. And he had them his whole career. Like, And the moment Phil Jackson says in 99 he's not going to play, Jordan... Little he bitches out saying, I'm not going to play without Phil. Yeah, because you can't win without Phil or he's scared to win without Phil. So I want to talk about the finals losses. OK, I want to go into this right now because the 2011 is a black mark. I, that's the biggest argument against LeBron. Jordan never had that moment. It's a big I one. Think, I think we can all argue on uh, all agree on that. LeBron was an underdog in 2012, uh, 2007, 2012, 2014, 2015. 2016, 2017, 2018. He was an underdog in seven out of nine finals. The only two times he was a favorite was in 2011 when they lost and in 2013 when they won. So, first of all, he's an underdog. That's not his fault. It's Isn't it? Isn't it that exactly his fault if he's not good enough for his team to be a favorite? Isn't that partly his fault? His team was not good enough. Um, he picks his team every year. And now you're telling he me he did not, not pick enough. his team. Cleveland, the first time he was in okay, Cleveland. Okay, other than Cleveland, other than the 07, he picked the rest of the teams, right? He joined the Heat, then he joined the Cavs, then he joined the Lakers. Aren't those all his choices? Okay, let's let's talk about the Heat. Yeah, he joined uh, with what's him call it? Wade, Bosch, and then who's on the rest of that team? You forget that those contracts put so much pressure on the team. They started Carlos Arroyo for most of the season. That was there. He was out of the league the next year. Ilgowska started the finals. Mike Bibby started in the finals. These are all washed up vets. Listen, playing. I'm not going to allow you to put sacrilege on Carlos Arroyo's name. He started for Puerto Rico when they beat the U.S. in 07, which triggered the Redeem team coming together. Yeah, One of the this is 2010 and, or 2011, and he didn't play an NBA game after that. So is it that LeBron wasn't aware of the salary cap and did not understand that him, no, Wade, and that, Bosh all signed? No, it's he didn't have the create... luck of Pippen taking a dog shit contract and getting all these guys locked. Like it's part of its luck, right? Part of it is luck that if Pippen wasn't locked up on that super cheap deal, 
who knows if they're able to fill out the roster on the around the edges to make it but as competitive. Jordan didn't make that much money either till his last two years. It wasn't yeah, like that was also very convenient for that team because that was, it, been it was a different era. Him. It was a different era. But Pippen is the only All Star Jordan has ever played with. Let's get that clear. Ever. Yeah, but how about the Hall of Famers? You want to talk who is in the Hall of Fame? Rodman. His only other Hall of Fame teammate is Rodman. Yeah, Pippen, Rodman, Kukoc will make the Hall of Fame. No, he, what the Croatian Hall of Fame? Maybe, maybe in his hometown of that Hall of Fame he'll make. <laughs> they couldn't even find him for the last dance until like two months ago. Um, but so let me we can only go out to the finals, right? So he's an underdog in seven out of nine. He and you're gonna say, oh well, his team wasn't as good because he's not as good. But that's not. It's not. There's no blank. Like that's such a reductionist argument. Then any superstar surrounded by a shit team, if they're not playing well, you're saying it's because of that superstar. It doesn't make any sense. Um, I'm not even saying entirely that it's his fault that his teams were underdogs. I was somewhat saying that in jest. I think you could argue the 07 team was one of his great accomplishments, right? Taking that team through a pretty tough East at the time to the finals was a pretty, pretty tough accomplishment. One of the great LeBron memories is the 48 special, which happened, I believe, that playoffs, if I'm not mistaken. Um, The issue I have is that the level of competition he faced in the East was so bad that his teams, though he has nine finals appearances and eight straight, his teams in other eras with at least a semblance of balance, conference balance, would not have made eight straight finals. And so, yes, you could argue, well, they were basically like this blum, like blubbering collection. For the most part, his teams were not very good. The two best teams he played on were probably the 13, the 13 Heat and the 17 Cavs, right? Yep. Um, the 16 Cavs that won was not even their best version. It was the next year, but unfortunately, the Warriors had signed uh, Durant at that point. So the fact is, in an alternate world with a little bit more balance, if we're going into this hypothetical route, he doesn't make eight finals. And then he's not three and six and he's three and three. And that's going to worsen his argument. I went back and I looked right. And I want you to do this with me because I want you to keep me honest here. I went back and looked at the eight finals appearances mm-hmm. and I looked at who he played in the East. His best competition in the East actually came in 2011. He played a Celtics team coming off a finals appearance the previous year. And he beat them. And then he played the Derrick Rose, MVP Derrick Rose Bulls the year before he tore his ACL. Right? That was impressive. And that was the first year of the Heat. That was impressive. You go down the list. 2012 Heat. These guys. Sorry, 2012 Celtics. Excuse me. Ray Allen's in year 16. Kevin Garnett's in year 15. Paul Pierce is in year 14. They're about to blow it up, right? They're a year away from Allen signing with the Heat and Pierce and Garnett being traded to the Nets. 2013 Heat, they played the Pacers with second-year player Paul George and Roy Hibbert as the defining characters of that team. Played the Heat. They were a good team. They were a good team. They were a good team. They took the Heat to seven. And, in fact, if you're going to criticize, like, the Pacers team that the Jordan Bulls played in 98. That was better team than this Pacers team, which has a two young for their britches, Paul George, and a bunch of guys who really became nothing after this team. Hebert West faded into obscurity. George Hill is a role player. Lance Stevenson's out of the league. Now, here's where it gets ugly. The 15 
Cavs. This is bad. They played the 60-win Atlanta Hawks, the most fraudulent 60-win team that's, of all time. Yeah, it's fraudulent when you look back and the fact that they got waxed, but like that's all things that you look back in. in I think we knew it in the moment. Who is their best player? Al Horford? That team is going to have zero Hall of Fame. They were the Spurs of the East, man. Did you not remember that? They were the Spurs of the East. This is all revisionist history. This it's happens not. Every- I think I texted you in 2015 when we first met. I was like, this Hawks team is trash. I think you were trying to play with them in 2K. Think about it as Hall of Famers. Is that 60, Is that Hawks team, which had Jeff Teague, Damari Carroll, Kyle Korver, Paul Millsap, Al Horford, would you bet that there's one Hall of Famer on that list? In fact, we did the Hall of Fame exercise a few weeks ago, and I don't remember any of those players on there. No. no they, they, but that doesn't mean they weren't a good team. They're not? Okay. Okay, look. Like, Here's here's my uh, you're going to keep going down the list and you're right. You're not going to come up with all these 61 teams out of nowhere. And you're going to say that Jordan played the Sonics and the Jazz are 61 teams. Let's talk about the fact that the East was worse, but LeBron's teams were worse. So in a sense, part of it kind of gets washed out. The competition in the 90s, this is the biggest. It's one of those things that we look back with nostalgia and we think that the competition was so tough because of Stockton, Malone, and Payton, and all these great names. I'm going to go back to the expansion draft point that I've made before. Jordan played in the expansion era NBA. Okay, What that means is there were three years, 1988, 1989, and 1995, where the NBA added two new franchises. And each time they did that, those franchises would get essentially the Every team could protect eight players. Those franchises would get uh, the remaining pool of players, and they'd pick at the top of the draft. So what that meant was teams back then, the bad teams, uh, would lose out on the top draft picks that they should have gotten. So bad teams stay bad. The good teams stayed good because they had top-end, top-heavy talent, and they weren't affected as much as this roster trimming that was happening across the league. And the talent got diluted just across the board. So... The rich got richer, and the best teams in the NBA in the 90s, like the Bulls, like the Jazz, like the Sonics, inflated their win totals against crap teams. And if you look at the, just do like a distribution chart of all the records in the 90s, you'll see there's a huge clump of teams that are under 30 wins, which does not happen today. Like today, the teams are much more competitive across the board. And so this idea that... Have you seen the Wizards? (laughs) The idea that... Yeah, he beat the Jazz. He beat the uh, Sonics, these 60-win teams. But those teams did not have to play much. Um, All those teams had inflated win totals because of this weird talent disparity that was there across the league. So uh, you want to talk about the East not being that competitive for LeBron? Fine. But let's not act like the East was this extremely competitive battleground for Jordan either. Especially towards the later years of his career. I have so many problems with that argument. I hope I don't forget them all. So first, first thing is, I have not argued that there's a dilution in the league. And therefore, I have not even brought up that Jordan's competition by win percentage in the playoffs is better than LeBron's. Because I know there's skew in that data, right? He's beaten the most 60-win teams ever. He's beaten the most 50-win teams ever in the playoffs. I'm not even bringing that up. His teams are also... I higher ratings than all the teams they played. It's like, obviously, he should be winning more. But what you just said is the rich got richer, the poor got poorer. I'm not worried about the scrub bullets that are not in the playoffs in 92. 
all of the teams at the top got better, and therefore those were also Jordan's main competition in the playoffs and in the finals, right? The teams. You're not understanding you, my. Hold on, you're not understanding my argument. My argument's not that oh, because of the, he, they didn't play those bad teams in the playoffs. My point is all those teams that looked good in the heading into the playoffs that had 60 wins that looked like these juggernauts. You're basing how good they are based on the regular season because they didn't win the title. They lost to Jordan. No, they I'm basing it off those players as well. Of, they beat all the shit teams they beat during the course of the season. I think – so my point is, regardless of that, the Bulls were impacted by the by the um, expansion draft the same way other top teams were, not the bottom teams. I'm agreeing the with you. The top teams bottom. benefited. Right. So they were all affected the same way and of which they are one of the top teams. But let's not, let's not act like – there's some hierarchy of very, very select few contenders only in the 90s. Cavs and Warriors literally played the, each other four straight years in the finals. Yep. If you want to talk about like a has and haves nots league, what could be more than that? Four straight times. It's never happened in NBA history. That yeah, two that's teams, the dominance of the Warriors and the dominance of LeBron. Like that's, that's my point is that the dominance of Jordan somehow gets discounted, but the dominance of LeBron we put on this pedestal. And I'm, not to discounting, him. I'm not discounting Jordan. I'm saying if LeBron played weak competition, let's say he did, fine. I'm saying Jordan also played weaker competition than we try to act like he did. Let me give you an incomplete list of Hall of Famers Jordan beat in his career. You ready for this? First of all, hall, hold on. Hall of Famers, Jordan's been out of the league for 20 years. Of yeah, course, so, all the four guys are in the Hall of Fame now. LeBron, well, I know that. Still in the league. But we could probably forecast, right, who who are the Hall of Famers from who Jordan, LeBron's played. We've actually, we're uniquely positioned to do that because we've already done this exercise where we thought about who current players are that are going to be in the yep. Hall. Patrick Ewing, Shaquille O'Neal, Kyle, Clyde Drexler, Charles Barkley, Isaiah Thomas, Dennis Rodman, Joe Dumars, Magic Johnson, James Worthy, Gary Payton, Sean Kemp, Carl Malone, uh, John Stockton, Alonzo Mourning, Reggie Miller, Dominique Wilkins, Chris Mullen. That's not nobody. And you could argue that the 90s talent wasn't as good, the basketball style wasn't as good, but he never, aside from the three guys on the Pistons, and the 95 series versus O'Neal and the the, pay, uh, the Magic. He never lost to a single one of those players. He lost to the Magic. Let's not forget. Yeah, I said 95 versus the Magic. And he came back and swept them for good measure. Now, look, Kyle Lowry might sneak into the Hall of Fame. And that's going to be high up on the list of the best East, Eastern Conference uh, opponents that uh, LeBron's ever faced. But if you go down the list of those teams LeBron's played... My point is the three and six or playing against the Warriors. I don't see get, going to the finals and getting smoked by the Warriors, which, like I said, maybe jo- would have happened to Jordan as well. That doesn't improve your legacy. If anything, it, it, it makes it seem more fluky. So that let's, you- okay, let, let's let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. There's four years he played the Warriors. Okay. Yeah. The first year he didn't have Kyrie or Love or he had Kyrie for one game and then he blew out his knee. Yeah. He took him to six. Almost won finals MVP. Fine. You said, why should we reward losses? Fine. But let's just, let's take note that he pushed a great Warriors team to the brink. Or not to the brink, but farther than anyone would have expected. He won the next year against the greatest regular season of all time. Not the greatest team of all time. Greatest regular season of all time. That is just a fact. Can I stop you right there? The 16 win by LeBron is the single greatest accomplishment that either of them have had. 
I'll say that much. Okay. Um, so and then 2017, uh, Kevin Durant joins the Warriors. I don't like. There's no scenario in which that plays out any differently. Like you can't hold it against them that they got smoked by an all-time great team. Um, when I can hold the 2017 Finals over LeBron a little bit more. The 18 was a joke. That team was horrific. I can't even believe that what was taking place. It was a massacre, right? I don't think that, you can with 2017 because that the, those Warriors were just that much better than. I mean, they were yeah, the so best listen, team in my NBA money, history. 20, yeah, I agree. 2017 Warriors were probably the best team in NBA history. Look, and the other thing that doesn't get talked about enough is with all this competition talk, is the teams in the NBA in the 90s were very stagnant. They just played things out year after year. Carl Malone, Stockton, they stayed together for how many years? They didn't win a title. They didn't even get to the finals until 97, 98. But how long have they been playing together? Sean yeah. Kemp, Gary Payton, that Sonics core was actually together for a very long time. Um, it's Isn't not like that, that was an their... advantage for those teams. They build up no. chemistry. My point is there's so much when teams lose in the NBA, they they shift. They try to they change things up. They're trying to take LeBron down. That's what the Warriors did. You lose. You don't just run it back year after year. They had a chance to get Durant. Durant had a chance to leave. That's something that doesn't happen in the 90s. Someone like Durant stays with that Oklahoma City team. They're good enough. They keep playing every year and losing, getting close enough, but losing. This is like, can you imagine if Carl Malone is a close enough example, joins the Sonics after they lose in 96? Um, he's not even as good as Kevin Durant in my mind, but... If he joined the Sonics after they lost in 96, do the Bulls win in 97? And if they don't, do people hold it against Jordan? Probably not. But guess what? These teams just keep running into the, the buzzsaw that is the Chicago Bulls, whereas things are much different in today's NBA, and teams are always retooling, finding new ways to kind of come at LeBron. So I think you have to take into account all of that because the Bulls were the greatest team in the 90s, and all the other teams were worse. And nothing ever changed. So, of course, they're going to keep winning and winning and winning because same coach, same infrastructure, same core players the Bulls had. It You're, was inevitable. But aren't you faulting or or counting the consistency Jordan enjoyed against him while recognizing that LeBron made choices to leave three different times? Yeah. Why did LeBron leave? Because he had to. If Jordan, let's say Phil Jackson never came to the Bulls. Let's say... I think they still would have won. Like Jordan and Pippen were too good. Let's say Krauss doesn't draft Pippen, right? Like you're telling me if LeBron in, let's say in 2010, Popovich coaches decides to coach the Cavs and maybe let's say 2011 and then they draft Kawhi Leonard, who's the Scottie Pippen. You're telling me Pop, Kawhi and LeBron with other smart management moves to round out that roster couldn't win like four or five titles in a row? But I'm not even faulting him for leaving Cleveland the first time. But that was only seven years he played in Cleveland. He's had 10 seasons now that are not Cleveland. They were all entirely his choosing from city, coach, teammates, everything. Yeah, but you can't just choose a Hall of Fame coach and choose a Hall of Fame organization. You're restricted by where you can go. You're restricted he by left a Hall space. of Fame coach. Eric Spolster is going to make the Hall of Fame. He left Hall of Fame coach, please. Eric Spolster would not make the Hall of Fame if LeBron didn't give him two titles. That's a fact. Like, I love Spolster. He, he wanted him fired in the, first, in the first year. He, like, bumped him after that Yeah, but that what has Spolster out. done since then? He's been a good coach. He's not in the Hall of Fame coach. Like, let's not give Spolster too much credit here. So, my point is, the circumstances in Cleveland the first time around were not great. 
we agree. He left. I mean, he had Jameson. I don't understand what the yeah, issue Antoine was. Antoine Jameson, Shaq, Ben Wallace. Yeah, Shaq, Shaq is a Hall of Fame teammate, by the way, if you're counting Hall of Fame teammates yeah. that LeBron's played with. And and then in Miami, yeah, you can say, oh, he had a, he did have a good culture. He had a guy named Ray Allen who kind of saved him pretty big. Ray Allen hit one big shot. Do you want to talk about Steve Kerr? You want to talk about you want to talk about uh, Paxson? You want to talk? They're always role players. That's why it's not shot. a big deal. But let's just—I mean, in Ray terms Allen, of the supporting cast, like Ray Allen was a pretty damn good guy Ray, to have. Oh, really? You know what Ray Allen averaged in his Heat tenure? Eleven points a game. Eleven points a game. He's a bit player. People act like Ray Allen was the Celtics Ray Allen. This guy wasn't even dropping. He wasn't even Danny Green. What Danny oh, Green was. Okay, but team. we're comparing him versus Steve Kerr and John Paxson, who combined. Yeah, but my, I'm, no, my comparison to them was not that he's the same player. My comparison is that other players hit big shots. It's not unusual. You forget in that game, LeBron went on a scoring rampage to get them back into that game. In game six, they were down by a lot. Um, and it's just the last shot that ended up saving them. So it's the, the point I'm trying to make is. You can't hold. <sighs> you're comparing LeBron's losses being valued more than Jordan's wins. Ultimately, is what you're trying to do because his losses came against teams that were better than what Jordan played against. And if we put Jordan in LeBron's shoes, he would have lost too. That is the crux Look, of the LeBron over Jordan argument. Five, yeah, and five thirty-eight did a study recently where you know they did all their models. They ran what would happen if you swapped them both, and you know what happened. Both of them lose or win less titles. <laughs> um, Who Jordan did they wins say less that titles uh, LeBron position. would lose to in Jordan years? I didn't see. I, I, it, I read a snippet of it. I didn't actually see like the breakdown of what years. But LeBron wins less in Jordan's career. But Jordan also wins less than LeBron did. So, you know, it's not like if you switch them, Jordan would have won. I don't want to hear more, about fucking Nate more. Silver and his models. He also said Hillary was going to beat Trump, and look where that's gotten us. Well, it's 75% chance. I mean, it's a... That's true. It's really a coin. Everything is 50 Probably everything is 50-50. So there's um, really... Did I ever tell you that I actually do think I hate probability, and it may be fake? Why? It's built why? off of a concept that you can never prove. Like ESPN BPI says the the Lakers have a 51% chance of winning a title this year. Well, how the hell do you know if that's true or not? Well, you can't prove it. I agree. Exactly. I mean, the so flaw of probability is that it's based on this. It's based on like you're able to run several iterations to come up with that number when in real life we're looking at a singular event, right? And so this is where I would separate the probability of rolling a dice or a die versus this because this is not provable. You could prove the probability of rolling any given number on yeah, a Yeah, it's all bullshit. I agree. It's all bullshit. Like 51%, like who's to say that's it's it's hard, right? Um, right. Which is why your underdog comment earlier is also bullshit. No, but the reason I'm talking about the team, the reason that matters is stats can't be disputed to a certain extent, individual stats, but success, team success has to be put into context. And we can't just gloss over the fact that you know, having a Hall of Fame coach and a Hall of Fame sidekick in his prime throughout your career makes a difference. I'm going back to the same example I just used. If LeBron had Popovich and Kawhi Leonard for the core of his best years, they win more titles. I don't think you'd disagree with that, right? If they win five titles, all of a sudden he's right up against Jordan. LeBron is three. If he wins 
two more with a better system. We're now talking about players who are apples and apples comparison. Yeah. But because but- he didn't have those benefits, and yeah, he had to go searching for it. And to it's his fault sometimes in terms of acts and coaches and wanting control. But a lot of that stemmed from the fact that he was let down early in his career. And so now he's taking charge. And people want to laugh at Tristan Thompson contract, J.R. Smith contract. That I was team just won. about to say. That team won a title. Like ultimately, but they gave it, it to him after the title. That's dumb. But that was the price of winning a championship. You, you're not going to just fall into a perfect situation. You had to make those moves. I'm fine term. with them mortgaging first-round picks for Kyle Korver or for Timofey Mozgov because, like you said, the end justifies the means, and they won a title, so nothing else matters. My issue is more that LeBron decided then he wanted to lock himself or lock the roster into this team that didn't make any sense at that point. Like, J.R. Smith, after a title, is not giving you, like, 100% effort, I'm sorry, in year 12 for him. So... They did that, and then he didn't get anything from it, and he basically blew 17 and 18 in his career to some degree. Well, 2017, they were better than 2016. They, they were, were a better team. Sorry. So they blew. he blew 18 to some degree. And 18 19. was Kyrie going off the reservation. Like, we know Kyrie who, is— and, a- and whose fault was that? LeBron tried to trade him. They had the deal in place to go get Eric Bledsoe and to go get Paul George, and Kyrie heard about it. So this is— this is LeBron's fatal flaws. His manipulation is going to oh, work with some guys. Don't want manipulation. Mean, LeBron is a better teammate, a more beloved teammate than Jordan was. He should have realized that he was going to upset Kyrie's third eye when he started calling Eric Bledsoe and getting on we the We all know machine. that Kyrie has to take a look in the mirror because he's the problem. Everywhere he goes, and you know this, and you've, you've talked about this before. I'm happy Kyrie with that. is the problem. It's not LeBron. Kyrie's the problem, but Kyrie is a hell of a lot better than look, whatever people, Cleveland did people to replace complain him. complain about... Uh, LeBron putting Kevin Love through the ringer and destroying his mental like psyche and all this and causing mental they illness. All kinds of ridiculous things. Le- Love goes to bat for LeBron all the time. Uh, I follow him both on social media. I know. So I know he does. Every and, and, one of it, LeBron's teammates love him and Kyrie still loves him. They're still good. So I don't there's know. There's also the a different expectation on bullying in 2018, 2019 <laughs> than there was in 95 where you could basically say anything you wanted. But I think ultimately, if LeBron went five and four, or he went four and four, let's say he gets to one less final, but he has one more win, then you start to hear some talk. Right now, I have LeBron at two, you do too, but that's not universal, right? Here's the interesting thing. If you polled everyone in the world who had an opinion on this and you said, what's your average ranking for a particular player, right? And you averaged it across all these people. This is where LeBron struggles. Jordan is not number one or number two on. There's no world in which he's not top two. Do you agree? Yes. I'm saying not just your list, not just my list, anybody's list. And you can call it bias against LeBron. You can call it whatever you want, whether it's players, whether it's I'm not even talking about the fanboys on Twitter. I'm ignoring them. So it's players, whether it's execs. There are people who put Kareem above LeBron. He's got six MVPs. He's got six titles. um, You know, there are people who even put magic above LeBron, in my opinion, totally incorrect, but it's happened. And I think that even Bill Russell. And I think that is something to be considered. I'm not worried about what Paul Pierce is saying, right? Paul Pierce is a joke post-career. First first of all, there's a very small percentage who don't have a number two anymore. And there's two reasons for that. 
um, the magic stuff, no one seriously believes that. The Kareem, you're right. There is a a decent percentage of people who would still put Kareem over LeBron. What about Kobe? There's people who no, do that. No, there's no one who puts Kobe. Those are bl- like not even the diehard Laker fans like will put, say that anymore. I'm sorry. They just don't. Um, Kareem, the reason he's listed as number two is the longevity argument. He's at the top of all the – LeBron's career is, is not done. So I think by the end of it all, that argument for Kareem will be much shakier uh, than it is today. And so a lot of those people who are saying that now, it's easy to say that now because LeBron's career is not over. But by the end of it, I don't think he's going to be – I think he's going to be an undisputed two. Just like Jordan right now might be undisputed one or two in everyone's eyes. What do you think about guys who are peers of both when they played – for Jordan, there was a universal understanding this is the greatest, whether it was Bird, whether it was Magic, whether it was Barkley, whether it was Ewing. But today's day and age, you see KD go at him and think he's the top guy. You've seen Kawhi do it. Next is going to be Giannis. It's, it happened with Kobe. What do you think about that? Does that mean anything to you or is that just – and they've had success against him too. It's a It's a different mentality. It's a different mentality. I think – People are more skeptical and they're willing to entertain other arguments in today's day and age than they were back then. I mean, when when Jordan retired the first time, and then in 93, people were calling him the greatest basketball player ever. A lot of people, like that was a soundbite. Now, think about it. He had three rings, and yes, he had a good career so far, but if he had retired forever, how could he be the greatest of all time? How does he stack up against Kareem? Yes, my friend. How does, yeah, okay, so like, my point is, back then, they were ready to crown him because Jordan meant... The one thing I'll give him credit for is he was more than just a player. He was a marketing machine for the league. He was uh, a captivating persona. He was this... He had an aura around him that LeBron will never have. LeBron is a manufactured, cliched, buttoned up. I agree. And that gravitas... And Space Jam 2 is going to be a lot worse. Yeah, that gravitas Jordan had it caused a lot of these guys to praise him. And when you talk about Bird and Magic, like they were past their primes. They were still, you know, relatively close to their primes, but they were becoming the old heads back then. Um, so of course they're going to say things like that. I'm not, you know, it's not like the the peak talent at that time were bowing down to to Jordan. It's not like Hakeem was like, yeah, Jordan's the, the best. Um, you're talking about players who were kind of nearing the end of their careers. And you'd see the same thing today. Like players nearing the end of their careers will also talk about how great LeBron is. That doesn't I'm mean I'm interested much. to see if LeBron says that about Giannis, about KD, about He will Kawhi, because LeBron, is, he, he always plays the good citizen. He always, you know, does the lip service and says the right thing. So, but I wouldn't put too much stock in that is my point. Well, he also owns Clutch Sports, so it's complicated to see if he's complimenting Jason Tatum because he wants him to sign with Clutch or because yeah. he wants to like promote the game. I don't even know. Yeah, so I, I I do think, though, that that matters for Jordan when all your peers are saying you're the best. and It does the matter. One, the one thing I will say about Jordan is that he never really had a, a guy vying for that number one spot when he was in his prime, right? Exactly what you're saying. Like, when, when you talk about his prime being, I'm saying even past, like, 88, 89, if you start that as his prime and going all the way to, like, let's say, 93, 94... He was the undisputed number one. LeBron had to compete with Kobe uh, in like the 2008, 2010 years. And then he had a three-year stretch in which he Don't was kid. arguably the best. Um, but then you have Durant. Then you have Kawhi. 
But where I give LeBron credit is he's how is he always in the conversation as the best player ever? There's so many players coming in and out of that argument now, and LeBron has stayed constant. Like today in 2019, most people would argue he's still the best player in the game. That and to me Le- is because he's Jordan not even never had the chance to see that kind of a run. We don't know. Maybe he would have had the same kind of a run, but he did it. He retired early. That's his fault. Um, and I think the fact that LeBron is still at this age with so many other players in their prime, other players winning MVP, Jordan or LeBron is still considered the best player in the game. I mean, what does that tell you? Well, Michael Jordan's first MVP was in the 80s. Basically, from then till he retired in 98, he was the best in the game. Yes, yeah, I he mean, walked- when, when LeBron won his first MVP, people still thought Kobe was better. Yeah, that's the that's point. With the cap. That Kobe- with the cap. But I think so. I think that's partly because there were the greatest players in LeBron's era, Kobe, Duncan, KD, are probably, and Steph are probably what the four greatest players that played. Would you say that if you were to rank all the players ever, like maybe Kawhi enters that, but he's not there yet. Maybe Giannis one day, but he's definitely not there yet. So if you ranked them all, it would be some order of Duncan, Kobe, and then together, and then KD and Steph together. Yep. If you ranked did the same for the people who played during Jordan's prime and were good during Jordan's prime, the numbers would be a little lower. I agree. It would basically be like some combination of Barkley, Ewing, um, Malone, Drexler, and that's about it, right? Am I forgetting anyone? Like Magic Bird were all kind of before Jordan L. Reggie Miller was never that good. Isaiah Thomas, um, maybe. Isaiah Thomas. Yeah. Yeah. Shaq was weirdly between the two of them. His prime was actually the three years basically between when those guys were in the league. So, yes, on average, LeBron's top players were a little bit better, and therefore that mantle was always up for debate. But this is the thing, right? LeBron's greatness is such that he's not competing versus current day's players. He's competing. He always talks about it himself. He's like, I'm chasing a ghost. Yeah. And when you've elevated to a certain level of greatness like LeBron has or like Jordan has, you're no longer competing against who you're playing against on the court. LeBron's not coming back post quarantine into this bubble to try to like prove that he's better than Giannis. That's not the point. No, the point is, is to, it's clear to that build he's already legacy. the best, right? The point is to build the legacy to one day, hopefully have it so that people would say he's better than Jordan. Some people already do, but the majority don't. And that's the thing. But, you know, to me, it's more like when you reach a certain level, you're playing chess, not checkers, right? And both of these guys are doing that. And, you know, you could argue Jordan came in at the end of that 80s run, but he was already the best player in the league in the 80s. Like, you go back and look at some of the numbers he had, some of the accolades he won. Yes, he didn't have team success. Yeah, but, but I, yeah, that's I say the same thing about LeBron. If you look at the numbers he had, his best number stats or number seasons were in the late 2000s. But I would uh, tell you LeBron's been the best player in the league since 09. Yeah, but that was not widely accepted at the time. I lived in L.A. at the time. and That's your problem. That's and, the wrong Kobe, place to I mean, live. But no, Kobe was, he was still winning titles. And people still saw the LeBron as the Giannis type right now, where the stats back the argument, all the advanced things back the argument, but he hadn't won yet. So it's hard to put him above a guy like Kobe. I get Same thing that. with like Giannis today, right? Giannis, by all metrics, is better than LeBron or had a better season than LeBron. But would you say he's a better player? 
you have to see the playoffs. We have to see so how he reacts when he plays. We need to go back Kobe. and look, Ben. Right in 15 years, where are we going to do the revisionist history thing? Maybe it was Kobe is better than LeBron. Maybe that's true. Well, I mean, w- w- I don't think. Yeah, we might be doing revisionist history. That's because we're basically Kobe. saying the same thing now, where Giannis's stats this season, let's say, are going to hold up way better than LeBron's, or not way better, but better. And yeah, he's going to so my, my point is not to argue that LeBron was the best back then against Kobe. My point is that uh, it cha- that changes that perception changes over time. Yeah, it does, and I, I think you know we've become more fond of our old memories of the greatest. Exactly. Whether it's a Kobe, whether it's a LeBron, whether it's a you know Jordan, whoever it is, we're going to embellish. So in twenty years, when LeBron's retired, we're going to remember some of those years differently. I think. So what, you know, there's two other things I want to talk about. One is impact on the game. Mm-hmm. And these guys both had major, major impacts. They did it in very different ways. But I think with Jordan, this is what separates him from any athlete in history, other than maybe Tiger Woods, is that he grew basketball to a supernova type level compared mm-hmm. to what it was when they were. You know, it started with Bird and Magic. They were watching tape-delayed finals games. Can you even imagine that now? You think they would have worked as hard as they did if there was a pandemic in 81? They'd have been like, nah, fuck it. We'll try again next year. It doesn't matter anyway. He created this almost, and I'm I'm not going to lie, this may be be hyperbole, but almost single-handedly, to take it from this game matters to I am everything. And... Whether you want to talk about the popularity of basketball, but more importantly, the popularity of a shoe to become synonymous with a shoe and to have that, you know, Jordan's royalty check from from his sneaker line still crosses nine figures every year. Mm -hmm. And he still has the most popular selling shoe in the world, basketball shoe. And the fact is so many people have passed that don't even really remember Jordan as a player. They only remember him for his icon and for his brand. I think what that did for the game of basketball, what that did for even someone like a Kobe or LeBron can never be matched. I will not disagree with you there. His impact on basketball will always be bigger, even if LeBron won five more titles uh, and is clearly the best of all time. He'll never touch the same kind of impact Jordan had. And part of it was the NBA was ripe. They were waiting for a superstar to come in and take it to the next level. I mean, you had Bat- Magic and Bird and the interest in the, the NBA was already growing in the 80s. But a personality like Jordan's, um, the athleticism, the aura he had, like I said, like that catapulted the NBA to n- another level. And when people talk about the NBA growing popularity in, in, uh, overseas, right, in the 90s, it wasn't the NBA that was becoming more popular overseas. It was Jordan, and right. the, that allowed the NBA to get seated. And just all happened to be in the NBA. <laughs> yeah, like no one was watching the NBA or random NBA games in in China and in India. They were watching only Jordan. They were only watching Bulls games, and that was enough to get the NBA expanded and to become this global league. Um, and LeBron is never going to have that kind of impact. The way I think about it, though, is. Jordan's impact off the court will always be known as, uh, from a business standpoint, from a brand building standpoint, LeBron's impact is always going to be from a social standpoint. And I think that's just as important, if not more important. Um, And now we can go into a rat hole about LeBron's China comments and, you know, the way he's handled some of that. But ultimately, I think we can agree he's taken a 
chosen to be more kind of spearhead some of those efforts more than Jordan ever decided to. And so I think LeBron's legacy will be more along the lines of that and what he's done from um, speaking out for some of these movements and what he's done from his charity work. And not to say that Jordan wasn't charitable, but that's going to be LeBron's legacy off the court. And I think Jordan's will always be how he took basketball to unprecedented heights. I'm not worried about the China thing. We've talked about this. I don't want to get into it again. I think there are lines in the sand that have to be drawn at times. And I'm sorry that people don't like that. It doesn't conform to everyone's self-righteous nature, but I'm not worried about that. Yeah, because we're pro-business. We know that. (laughs) So what I would say about LeBron is, and I think I've said this before on the podcast, but I've not seen another athlete in my lifetime, nor even in athletes I've studied before my life that have ever cashed or come through as much as he has in every facet of what people expected from him. Um, whether that's on the court production, whether that's, uh, you know, accomplishments, whether that's just general prowess at the game and then all the off court stuff. So, you know, beyond credit to him. And I think that's very, very valuable. And like you said, maybe the bigger impact uh, in terms of reach, probably not, but hopefully, right? Like you see now there's a lot of terrible things that, you know, we were just talking about how Jordan wouldn't speak up on anything. Yep. The just heinous George Lloyd uh, incident happened, you know, two days ago and LeBron's right there commenting on it. And I think even across my Instagram feed, so many people reposted it, retweeted it, whatever, because they're like, this is the person we fall behind. Now, Jordan may or may not have said something. I've I've not heard it myself. I don't don't think he has like social accounts to have regular access. But I I thought about that sort of similarly to our conversation um, after the last dance episode on activism, where LeBron's made that his, uh, he's owned that platform and he's done so. He's not shied away from, many things and i thought like in this case where you needed a voice you needed a powerful voice he always comes through in that regard uh i think this week is a classic example of where people are hurting people are devastated people are 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 angry um and it's true real anger it's too real uh you know demoralization and i feel like he always says the right thing and does the right thing in those moments now I think where LeBron will end up running into problems and he already has is the stuff where he has to toe the line is the stuff where he can't speak freely because he does have a conflict of interest. Jordan went one way and said, I'm not doing anything to invoke a conflict of interest. LeBron will take some losses, but I think he recognizes the wins are much more important to, you know, whatever the red is in his ledger. So. Absolutely. And the one thing I'll say, the fact that he lived up to the hype, I think is one of the most impressive things we've ever seen. And it's it's the amount of hype coming out of high school, uh, being on television back then. We're talking about 2002, 2003, where games were not yeah. televised. Now you see the Ball Brothers. You see all these high school games. You see Zion is like you have access to all his high school highlights. Back then, that was never had never happened before. And the amount of yeah. coverage he was getting to live up to the hype, I think, is is remarkable. But I think the most people. That actually gets held against him. And here's what I mean by that. He was very hyped. The expectations were sky high. Mm-hmm. And in many people's minds, he's failed enough times where he hasn't met those expectations. They don't think yeah. about it from a... I mean, his comparison was always Jordan. 
And so when you compare it to that, in many people's minds, he hasn't lived up to that hype. Um, he may have surpassed everything else, but he still hasn't touched Jordan. Yeah. And Jordan had the, the luxury of, hey, he got cut. This is like an all-American story. He got cut from the JV team. He got drafted third. He's got a chip on his shoulder. He's playing the big bad Pistons. He beats them. Now he uh, he retires. He's going through personal tragedy. But he comes back and conquers the mountain again. LeBron doesn't have such a nice narrative. He just doesn't have a sexy narrative um, to mo- in most people's eyes. Because in their eyes, he's tattooed the chosen one. He's kind of assumes he's already the best. And then he goes to the Heat, forms a super team, says not six, not seven, not eight. Yep. They lose, right? So I and never- one other thing. Yeah. He's huge as a person. Like his physical stature is massive. And that Jordan's greatness was because nobody had ever seen a guard do that. That is, yeah, I forgot to mention that. It was a big man league. And so for a guard to come in and dominate like that, that's on, un- no one had seen that before. So all these things, I think, work against LeBron, and he'll never have the narrative, the aura, the that type of legacy that Jordan will have. I think he's got the singular moment, which you agreed with, which is beating the Warriors, giving Cleveland its first title. I think that is the greatest accomplishment we'll ever see in NBA history. But in terms of a narrative, he doesn't have it. And so for that legacy, that's something that he's never going to be able to to replicate what MJ was was to the game. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, in my opinion, it's clear cut. I understand you're a little bit more on the fence. I understand there's some people, especially the newer generation of basketball fan who actually put LeBron number one, whether that's Kendrick Perkins because he's trying to get clicks or actually like fans of the game who are a little younger, a little bit more stat driven, a little bit less like rings culture. Um, My argument is and, and look, that's the argument for LeBron over Kobe, right? The problem with doing that for LeBron over Jordan is Jordan has him or is even on all of the things that you would argue is in LeBron's favor, like the stats, like we've already talked about. So let me finish with this. This actually works better as a question because I, I didn't realize you were also ranking Jordan one currently. So this actually works nicely as a wrap up question. So what do you think in your mind? And you kind of already alluded to this, but what do you think in your mind would have to happen to move jo- uh, LeBron fully into that number one spot? Uh, I think one more title puts him firmly in the number one spot. Now, the reason I say that, you're going to say four rings for six. How much is that difference? Here's what he accomplishes with a fourth title. He's won a title with three different franchises, three different coach, like essentially three different coaches and supporting casts. That, how often has that been done? Has that been done? I have to double check my notes because I, Outside of a role player, I don't know if a superstar's done that. Nobody has won three finals MVPs. It's actually what's at stake for him and Kawhi. Yeah, three finals MVPs. Uh, Kawhi, I mean, yeah. I mean, um, he could. He could. could. He could, but that does not hold the same weight. So I think the fourth ring, you win it with three different teams. And then the other thing is the thing people always hammer LeBron on is the East, the East, the East. Fine. He's in the West with a... Yeah, he has Anthony Davis, but I mean, every superstar needs another superstar by his side. And he's the number one seed. And if they win this year, number one seed, go through the West, and the West has good talent. You can't say that it's it's not talented this season. I think that ends up dispelling a lot of the things we hold against LeBron, that he couldn't win if he went out West. Now he would have proved it. 
And then when you think about the fact that he's won his fourth title in year, what is this, 15? 17. 17? Yeah, I'm losing track. Year 17, and he won his first one in year seven. Like, the span between titles and still being the best player on your team, right? It's not necessarily like Kareem, where towards the end of his career, he wasn't the best. Um, to me, all that put together will vault him to that number one spot. And then it doesn't matter that he's won two less. It doesn't matter that Jordan has some of these more advanced stats. I think the the or story six losses against better teams. He's won four championships with three different franchises. You know how hard that is. <laughs> yeah, he 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 chose to make it that hard. But he had to, no, yeah, he had to. He had to leave those teams. So, anyways, I think that becomes a very unassailable argument for him to be the goat. So I wrote something down for this question in my notes, and now I'm reading it back, and there's just nothing, and I'll tell you what I said, but there's just nothing realistic that could happen. Um, when you think about the six losses versus Jordan's 6-0 and perfection, when you think about that 2011 series versus the Mavericks, that black mark is, you know, as much as the 16 title is the best accomplishment that either of them had, the 11 loss was the worst basketball moment either of them had yeah even um, so yeah it almost feels like it's a little bit more negative than positive but you could argue one way or the other i think jordan six and zero. he didn't even lose three straight games between 1990 and 1998 you know you talked about durability and lebron absolutely true jordan missed seven total games after his second year in the league that is unreal um he left after three seasons which you crushed him about in the last dance and as a non-competitor, what other competition does he have? He ha- he's vanquished everyone. That's he's done a cop everything. out, man. That's such a cop out. That's such a cop out. How can you say Jordan's always finding reasons to be competitive? Always coming up with he's found new ways to. He looked. He's under found them all. Couch. Really? Oh, so when when Phil Jackson says he's going to leave at ninety nine, Jordan's like, I'm not playing without Phil Jackson because what? How about the 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 goal or the challenge of winning without Phil Jackson and showing you don't need the coach? I mean, come on, like that. You can't give him both. You can't give him credit for both. I just think everything he touched turned to gold. He was the true Midas touch. He never failed after he succeeded. Um, and even when he did fail, he came back to to make up for, for old wounds, whether it was the Pistons or the Magic. Um, or the Wizards, coming back to the Wizards. Even in the Wizards, he sold out an arena that nobody even knows where it is. <laughs> The Wizards Arena is like... Uh, in downtown, right? Yeah, but I was going to say it's like in Harry Potter where they make the Quidditch World Cup at that stadium that nobody can actually see. That's what the Wizards Arena feels like during most seasons. Um, so it, it it's like I said at the top, it's an infallible, indestructible resume. And when we start making excuses, when we start making different hypotheticals and we start like creating all this rationale for other players, whether it's a LeBron, whether it's a Kareem, I think that's where you've lost me and (laughs) there's nothing. So I'll tell you what I wrote. I wrote, and I don't believe it now as I'm reading it back to you. I wrote LeBron needs to win at least two more titles as the best player and clinch the all time scoring record. (laughs) That's you're like the goalposts are like unbelievably. And this is for me to consider it. Here's the, here's the problem. I, I know we're wrapping up, but here's the problem. There's Jordan fans, and then there's LeBron fans. And now, a lot has been made from Jordan fans after Last Dance about 
LeBron fans are too young. They didn't grow up with Jordan. They're, you know, they don't know about Jordan. I've seen this all over my Twitter timeline. I've seen my coworkers talking about it. I see this sentiment everywhere. In my mind, Jordan fans are actually some of the most blinded, irrational fans out there because they're, a lot of them lean on nostalgia, lean on 6-0, 6-0, lean on their childhood, lean on all that's, all that's happened. Um, this, like, like you said, it, for them, it'll never be possible that LeBron's the GOAT. Even if LeBron won six titles and finishes the number one all-time scorer, you'd consider it. Like, <laughs> these are goalposts that he can never match, right? And I think it's, it's because to, in today's day and age, people from the ages of, what, 25 to 45 all really worship Jordan because they grew up with him as kids or young adults or, um, right. And they're also the authoritative voices in media. If you think about it, that's the age group that these are the people who are the most vocal on media. They're the personalities we see on TV. We're not hearing from the old heads who still think maybe Bill Russell's the best. And we're not hearing from the kids who think LeBron's the best. So because of this overall sentiment from this age group who are all blinded by nostalgia, it seems that, oh, Jordan is the undisputed GOAT. He can, no one can ever touch him. Everyone agrees he's the best. I think that'll start to change over time. Um, and I think it won't be... So even if LeBron doesn't win two titles, I think one title will already push him to be the GOAT in many people's minds. Um, and you're going to be that crotchety old man still defending Jordan. Yeah, I was going to say on 10 years from now, on second take on the Karthik Murli, our network, we're going to have LeBron as the GOAT. And there's it's going to be like LeBron versus Jason Tatum. And we're going to do this all over again. But all right, <laughs> that is a wrap. This was fun. This was four years in the making. So I know we ran long, but it was very, very necessary. Now we have to swear to never text each other about this topic ever again. I don't even get did. to half my bullets, man. I got all these games I pulled up where Jordan shot. Oh, yeah, you're going to give me Jordan's like field goal percentage in preseason games. I forgot about <laughs> yeah, I've, got, I've got 5 of 19, 6 of 19, 5 of 15, and all defining moments. Oh, there's one stat I do want to bring up. Can I just quickly yeah, touch on it? Sure. Why not? We didn't talk about this, but in LeBron's favor, facing elimination, he is he has elevated his game to another level. Statistically, um, in elimination games, he averages 36, 13, and 9, and he's 14 and 10. Jordan was actually only 5 and 7 in elimination games. Now, there's a lot behind those stats in terms of who they played, etc. But and I think when, one thing that doesn't get talked them. about enough is when LeBron's back's against the wall, that's when he's at the best. And I think that's another thing that plays in his favor. Yeah, well, Jordan was... Uh... Decided he didn't like his back against the wall, so he won before elimination games were in, in play. Jordan's a front runner, man, just like you. You're you're a classic front runner. I know. I'm that. a Colorado Avalanche fan from the '90s, Atlanta Braves, Florida State Seminoles, and UNC <laughs> Tar Heels basketball. I think I liked all of those teams, including the Bulls, at one point in like the mid '90s. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, but anyways, that I mean that's just the last thing I wanted to squeeze in there. Um, all right. All right, man. It's been fun. We will be back next week with hopefully a full breakdown of the NBA's plan to return, what it means, and also, I think, what should they be doing? We know what they are going to do. What should they be doing? So we'll be back with that next week. Uh, thank you all for listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Thick and Thin on Apple, Spotify, and Stitcher, and we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>